Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf, and alongside me is my co-host Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. We're also on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. Uh, we're really excited to welcome back our nationally syndicated uh, talk show host Andy Dorf from Dorf on Sports. You can find him on SiriusXM Radio and uh, radio stations all across the country. So, Andy, how you doing, man? Fellas, I'm glad to be back chopping it up with you. Uh, obviously, been a while, right? Like, I think the last time we talked, it was one of those depressing talks about the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe what we thought was failure or maybe what we thought was not what we thought was going to happen. And uh, now we've had the dog days of summer. We had the summer league happen, right? Um, people get geeked up about that. I think it's a lot of nonsense, more so than anything. However, you do get to see some guys run up and down the floor, and um, there's some good highlights. Not a lot of defense, um, but ultimately it's it's that developmental stage for these guys. So Summer League has come and gone. The Bucks season is over. It's gone. They've re-signed Brooke and brought back Chris, and I know you guys are going to talk about that. So let's go. Yeah, so just just looking at the uh, you know the free agency signings ever uh, since you know since the seasons ended, uh, a lot of people were you know not necessarily too thrilled about you know Chris Middleton's numbers and the length coming back, but I think a lot of people realized that you know if we wanted him back, that's kind of the contract we were going to have to give him, uh, and you know kind of slight overpay for Brooke Lopez, but we were in a bidding war with Houston, so it's understandable. Uh, as well as, you know, bringing on a guy like Malik Beasley. Kind of what are your thoughts on the offseason as a whole and, you know, the free agency moves that they made in the first couple days of, you know, free agency? Yeah, don't forget about Robin Lopez coming back to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks should go after Drew Holiday's brother. Why not, man? Let's just get a brother combination, like, all over the place, right? Um, no, but on a serious note, look, I, I, I've had a lot of time to kind of think about this and digest everything that's taken place. And ultimately I was obviously disappointed with what happened at the end of the season. But with that being said, I do remember talking to you guys about the Bucks postseason run. And the guy that was actually the most consistent player was Chris Middleton, who was actually not playing, you know, probably at a hundred percent because the guy really hadn't played enough games throughout the season last year. Uh, then you have the Giannis going down and not really being a factor in that series. Then you have the Bucks losing, right? And then we have a new coach. We get rid of Mike Boonholzer. We we get Griffin in here now, and I I I I like it. I, I think it's I think over time this this is going to be a good situation in Milwaukee. So I had a lot of time to think about everything that's taken place. And that is the Chris Middleton signing where he comes back for three years. And to your point, getting a little bit of a discount, right? Because he was supposed to make 40 mil, but then he winds up going for 102 for, for three years. And, and again, like all these guys make way too much money, but, but it's all relative. Okay. So when we say a guy's taking a pay cut 
and he's making 33 million it, or 34 million, whatever it is, it, it's still hard to digest. Okay. So yes, he took a little bit of a pay cut, but he also got himself some stability. So he's there for the next three years. Right. And, and then they bring back Brooke, like you said, and they may have overpaid a little bit. However, in that situation, I feel like Brooke has taken less in the past. So he was kind of due for a payday to a certain degree. But I think ultimately, guys, what, what has happened here is the Milwaukee Bucks have aligned themselves up really, really well with Giannis Antetokounmpo's contract and how it comes up at the end. So here's what happens, guys. In two years, you have an option on whether you want to bring Chris back. You have an option on whether you want Drew there. You got an option on whether you want to bring Brooke back. Or you say, hey, Giannis, what do you you want how do we keep you in milwaukee because that's how we stay competitive and that's how we have a chance to win every single season so i've had a lot of time to to, to digest everything that's taken place and at the end of the day i really think the moves that the bucks made actually make a lot of sense because of what how they have it aligned Giannis will be 30 and in, still in the prime of his career. And we can reload and, and set up Giannis. So it took me some time to kind of figure this out. But, but I actually think the Milwaukee Bucks and their front office have done a tremendous job on bringing these guys back and giving it another shot. Because here's what they missed last year. And I think we all can agree on this. Health. If you're healthy when it matters, it makes a big deal, and it, it's a big difference. So Giannis going down, the Bucks having to respond and recover from that, it just it, it wasn't in the cards. So I've had time to, to relax. I've had time over the summer, the dog days of watching stupid summer league basketball and saying to myself, you know what, I'm actually okay with these moves, and it, and it makes a lot of sense. And then you mentioned Malik Beasley. I like that. I really like that. Uh, I also said to Stephen the other day, we were talking just just in, in you know, in, in talking, I, I wouldn't mind a guy like Will Barton, okay? Another wing player that, that can get after it and had some pretty good numbers with the Denver Nuggets. I, I think that that is such a coveted position in the NBA right now. And you mentioned the summer league stuff. And that, that's going to get me kind of to your next thought of where you think the Bucks are going, right? Well, I wasn't all that impressed with Marjan. I, I got news for you. Like, he had two really nice games. And then after that, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to him in Summer League. So I, I, I don't want to, like, read too much into things. But, but when you're expecting certain guys to perform at a certain level – consistently and they don't do that Th that to me is a little concerning especially against summer league competition so i know i gave you a lot there hirsch with, with everything that you were asking but but ultimately I, I think i'm okay with all of the decisions that the milwaukee bucks have made in the offseason go ahead steven so yeah i mean with marjan i get that you know he had some up and down you know stretches throughout the summer league however uh Nathan Marzion had a tweet 
uh, a couple weeks ago where he talked or he said something about, you know, rookies that were drafted or guys that were drafted from picks, late first round picks. So after 20 and on, and they're, you know, scoring averages going into, uh, you know, in their second season, Jimmy Butler, for example, 8.6 points a game in his second year. DeJounte Murray, 8.1. Pascal Siakam, 7.3. OG Ananubi, 7. And Fernie Simons, 8.3. I mean, all these guys, you know, it takes time. And uh, I, I think a lot of us were kind of getting, you know, jumping the gun with Marjan and expecting him to just show out this year for us. But I do think at the end of the day, as long as he can just be like a, just like a solid role player off the bench, you know, be solid in the bench unit, play good defense, hit a couple shots. That's all we really need and expect from him this year. Again, I, I think it's 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 one of those things, like I'm saying, I, I don't want to read too, too much into Summer League and, and everything that happened. The first couple games I watched him play, he looked like he was the best player on the floor. And and ultimately, I, I think that that's what the Bucs wanted to see from him game in and game out. And... and Again, I, I think that there's there's some important words to 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 understand here. In life, how do we succeed? We succeed at being consistent. And you succeed when you are doing the same thing over and over and having a positive result. So stay in the lab, okay? That that's my point. Stay in the lab, keep working on your game, knowing that you can get better. And and I think that with Marjan, I think the ceiling is extremely high, guys. I, I really do. Like, to your point, he started some games for the Bucks last season, right? A handful or a few more, whatever. But 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 he did contribute at times. But again, it, it the, the reason you're not seeing him all the time is because of that consistency or that lack of consistency. So Get there by working your craft and getting in the lab nonstop. I, I would guess that that Marjan is getting some very important quality time with Giannis this summer. I'm pretty sure I saw a few weeks back that they were training together. Look, you you keep doing that stuff. Who did Giannis lean on, guys? Do, do you know who Giannis used to lean on? Giannis used to lean on Kobe, man. Kobe and Giannis had a great relationship. You you need to have someone in your in your in your circle that that has been there before, has done it, has gone through all this stuff. You know, like I don't want to get off the subject, but I gotta bring this in because it was so good the other day. Did, did y'all happen to catch Charles Barkley's interview the other day when he was out at the celebrity golf tournament where uh, Steph Curry? One in dramatic fashion. I don't know if you happen to catch it. It was really cool stuff, though, right? But but he was talking about Zion, okay? And and this goes for like all of these guys, if you ask me, okay? He was talking about how he used to be motivated for a million bucks, okay? First, a million freaking dollars, and when when Moses and Dr. J and Andrew Tony and 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 all the other guys got Bobby Jones they got on him and said dude you've got to lose weight you got to work on your craft more you got to get in the lab and 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 you're doing it for 50 million dollars a year bro like i don't know about you guys but money motivates me okay so when you're talking about the money that these guys are making 
the motivation should be off the charts. So, so to me, that that's what it's going to take for a guy like Marjan is work your tail off, man. Get better so that you can't be taken off that floor, right? Like, like think about it. is there ever going to be a game where, where we're saying, oh, we're going to sit Giannis? No. We're only going to sit Giannis because he needs a breather. We know his work ethic. We know his energy. And we know how hard that, that guy plays and how, and his desire to win. So so ultimately, like, I, I, I'm i an older guy, man. I just turned 50 the other day, right? And, and like, I look at these guys today and I think about the guys of yesterday, like the Charles Barkleys, and I think about their work ethic and I think about the work ethic that I'm seeing today. I don't think it's anywhere near the same. And you guys can argue and you can fight me on this and, and we can agree to disagree about it. And I know the studies are out there and this and that and the other. But ultimately, man, get in the lab, work on your craft, be the best NBA basketball player you can be. And the only way to do that is to keep working every single day. And I'm not saying don't get rest, get rest. But, but ultimately, man, work on your craft to become the best you can possibly be. And I think that that is a message today that, that, that is missed because these guys are making too much damn money. So ultimately, where is the motivation? It's got to come from within, right, Hirsch? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I don't, Steve and I talked about this on a previous podcast, but, you know, I think uh, Coach Griffin being the coach of the Summer League roster uh, as the head coach of the main team is pretty important, you know, just for his acclimation to the team as a whole. And, you know, you talked about motivation, like Marjan should be motivated and all those young guys should be motivated to perform in front of their head coach who's going to be making like the decisions on who makes the team or not. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about kind of Coach Griffin coaching the summer league, if, if you have any like sort of like thoughts on that. But I thought that was definitely an interesting uh, move that the Bucks did. And I, I personally liked it. I like the fact that, you know, he's able to, you know, see the see the young guys up close and personal. And I know Coach Budenholzer had a lot of, you know, uh, slack on him for not playing any of the youth and for not giving these like young guys a chance. Like I'm hoping, you know, coach Griffin saw something in some of the young guys that he's willing to give them a chance during like during and throughout the regular season. No, I mean, I think that's an excellent point. Um, you know, what I like about the dynamic is this first and foremost, the, the guy's a former player. Okay. And right there, he gets the attention of those guys that he's talking to. Okay, it's it's just it's just the truth, because when again, like I said to you earlier, you want someone that's been there before that's done this. Right. So he's done this. He's he's played NBA basketball. He he knows the game. And it's not like Bud knew the game, too, guys like it. But 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 ultimately, we all felt like he was a one trick pony. And when when adjustments needed to be made, there was a lack of that. So to me, like that, that's. That's ultimately what I'm looking for mostly from Coach Griff is like, is he going to make adjustments on the fly? Because, you know, we talked about who we wanted to see as the Bucks coach a while back on a podcast. And that was one of the real positives that I thought about Nick Nurse is like he has this real good ability to make in-game adjustments, this, that and the other. I think Griff is I would kind of classify him as a player's coach. 
because this is a dude that's been in the wars. He's played the games. He's been in the battles. And now he can use that experience in the way that he expresses it to Giannis and Brooke and Chris and Drew and all the other guys. Like, I, I think there's something to that dynamic. Okay. So let's give it a run. Like here, here's the other part of what I said to you guys a, a long time back. Like why recycle guys that were somewhere else that, that didn't do the job there. Right. Like, so if Nick nurse couldn't get it done in Toronto, what makes us think he can get it done in Milwaukee or if doc rivers couldn't get it done in Philly, what you, you get what I'm saying? So Adrian, this is a chance, man. Like he's got a shot to go make a name for himself in Milwaukee with the most dynamic player in the world. Like what a great opportunity for him. What a great opportunity for the Bucks, right? So at the end of the day, I think they got the right guy, Stephen Dorf. I really do. I think they got the right guy. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell really. I mean, got to see how this guy does in the playoffs. Cause I mean, we've talked about it before the regular season has its flaws where, you know, there's load management. People seem to not take it as seriously as they do the playoffs. So I think we'll really, really be able to tell what we have in Adrian Griffin in the playoffs. I think the the regular season will be a nice little sample and it'll be something to kind of, you know, work with and, you know, take and, and like digest and just see what he is. But the, the playoffs will truly, truly show how good of a coach he, it truly is. What uh, do you guys think I just got a quick question since you since you brought up like the playoffs. What do you guys think of this tournament that they're going to have in November or whatever it is? I'm wondering because you mentioned load management in what you just said. So what happens with this in-season tournament that they're going to run? Like are guys going to take off before that so they can play in the tournament like we talked about load management how is this all going to work and and what do you think of that idea in general Hirsch? yeah no i mean i think like the idea as a whole it, it's an interesting idea having you know something else to play for during the regular season um i'm happy that they didn't necessarily add any more games except for the final uh the rest of the tournament is infused into their 82 game regular season. So it's not like they have to play any extra basketball unless you make it to the championship. I think my main problem with it is, is the, the incentive, you know, it's just a, it's a $500,000 monetary uh, reward. Whereas I think it should be some sort of team reward, either, you know, cap relief or a first round pick or some playoff seating sort of reward kind of thing. I think all of those would, incentivize teams as a whole to to get their guys to play as well as the players themselves to want to play to you know propel their team into a more success successful place see i like your thought and my thought is this okay why not let's let's be real here these guys don't need the extra money right so so i i actually think you're on to something maybe what should happen is Whoever wins the, the, the in-season tournament, well, they make a donation to their favorite charity. And you know what? They give back instead of taking more, right? Like, I think that that would be a really, really good, positive way of, of making this something that people can get behind. And, and like anything new, 
it's going to take some time for it to have some legs. Right. But, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like what is the root of this? What is the meaning of this? So to me, to make it meaningful, Make it a charity event. Give, give that money to somebody that really needs it. And we know it's not the NBA basketball players. So I, I think you have a great idea, Hirsch, Stephen. Yeah, no, I totally agree with Hirsch. And I think we really need to wait and see with this thing as well. Like you said, like we're going to need time to really acclimate to it and see what it's really about. And I don't think, you know, it's going to like it, the load management isn't necessarily going to get worse. And if you you know, took away games instead of added this tournament. If you made it a 64 game season, who's like, who's to say that's going to stop players from taking games off and them only playing 50 or 40 games at the end of the day, it's really just that like motivation that these guys, you know, that you were talking about earlier. That's just, these guys need to be motivated and this could be something to really motivate guys to want to, you know, stick to it and play in the regular season. All right. So y'all might think I'm nuts, but I have a crazy idea of what they should do with the playoffs in general. Okay. Because what we saw last year, we've already got 20 teams in the mix, right? Because of the the play-in situation, right? We got 20 teams in the mix. Okay. So here's my thought. Again, call me crazy. Call me whatever you want. But it makes a little bit of sense because it's going to incorporate a little bit about what Hirsch just said about maybe giving some seating situation for the playoffs, right? Okay. So. I say what they do is this, because of what we got last year with Miami having so much success, the Lakers having pretty good success, right? They were two teams that were on the outside looking in before the postseason, but they wound up, you know, getting themselves in there. Put all 30 teams in the damn thing, okay? Put all 30 teams in this tournament. Make it a lot more like March Madness. And seed them, one through 30. Take away the Eastern and the Western Conference. It makes no difference anymore. So to your point, Hirsch, this is where the seeding thing could get interesting, right? Because then you have 30 teams in this thing, right? We have, we have, we have upsets like crazy that could happen. So what would be different about this versus March Madness, which is one game, I say you play the first round or two or maybe even three old school. This is before your guys' time. Three out of five was how they used to play, okay? So three out of five for the first round. And it wasn't until the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference Finals until you got to that four out of seven, okay? So for the Eastern Conference Final and the Western Conference Final, you have the four out of seven. And for the final, you have the four out of seven. Now I got another twist for you, okay? You know how it goes two, two, one, one, one? Well, let's go back to the old school one more time, fellas. Again, a little bit before your time probably. Back in the day when I was growing up, it was 2-3-2, two, two, okay? So the team that actually won, like if you were lucky enough to win on the road one of those first two games, you actually really did have home court advantage at that point, right? Because the next three were in your building with an opportunity for you to close it out. So yeah, man. And, and then every round, reseed based on who's still in there. The highest seed gets the best. Obviously, they have home court and, and vice versa. But I, I really, if you want to bring intrigue in, that brings intrigue into 30 cities throughout the whole playoffs, right? And again, some will be short-lived and it'll be over before they know it. But hey, we learned something last year, okay? You don't have to have a great season to make some noise in the postseason. And to me, put all 30 teams in. Let's see what happens.
Am I crazy or what, Stephen? I uh, I don't I don't love it. I mean, it it really just <laughs> it really just like takes away any relevance that the regular season would have at that point if everyone gets a shot at winning a title. Not saying that, you know, a team ranked at the 30th seed in this, you know, like hypothetical situation would have an actual shot at it, but it just really takes away any meaning the regular season would have. I I mean, I think that the issue at the end of the day isn't the playoffs now, like with the, with the, how the play-ins formatted, I think that's, you know, an interesting way to allow more teams to get a shot at it, but still, still has importance in the regular season. I think it's, it's really just that the regular season, it's just broken right now. It's just the league right now is broken and the, the league itself needs to find a way to take control when, and not let these players just demand everything they want. And th- th- like, if you look at the NFL and how the NFL is ran, it, it's, they, they don't have these problems. I mean, you, you can look at someone like, uh, look at Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and everyone's talking about the running back market, right? And how running backs are getting screwed over. Well, when you really think about it, how many Super Bowl champions have had a top five, top 10 running back on their roster? The, like the, like not many, like they really haven't. And these teams are the owners. They're it's better for their team. It's better for their franchise in the long term to not pay a running back, you know, double digit millions. So you can take a stand, but at the end of the day, it just hurts your career. And it's better for the league is the point. It's just, it's really, it makes the league better when at, the players deserve power and their power is making 20 million a year, 10 million a year, or however much it is. But when you start yeah, to demand yeah. where you want to go, when you want to do it and sit out games and still make money, that becomes the problem. Okay. Let me, let me jump in here. So we're kind of comparing apples to oranges, bro. Okay. When you're talking about the NFL and you're talking about the NBA, we're talking about like a 70 game difference, man. Okay. Um, but with that being said, the physical abuse and wear and tear that those dudes put on their body as a running back, man, I, I'm sorry, dude, but they're underpaid. Okay. That that's the truth. Because the market is telling us this, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Um what, what makes what what makes a, a team a quarterback? Okay. Those guys make the most money because they have the ball in their hand the most. Who has the ball in their hand the second most, Stephen Dorf? A running back, man. So so I I hear your argument, and I hear what the NFL is doing right now, bro, but it doesn't mean it's right. It, it, they are getting screwed, okay? You, you can't tell me that, that, that Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs or, or even a Delvin Cook who, who isn't playing right now, and, and that that's mind-boggling dude like when he's in on the field he's a top five running back and and nobody wants to give this guy any money and, and put him on their on their team dude we're we're not comparing the same thing here okay but i think you're wrong when you're talking about nfl running backs and i think the nfl has it wrong as well and, and you hear guys like mccaffrey or, or our guy in Green Bay, bro, he's making over 10 mil, man. Like, come on, bro. You, you, for a moment there, I, I was like, dude, you're turning the corner and you're looking at this stuff and, and you're like being super objective about it. But then you kind of wavered back to being Steven Dorf, the guy who's out on a limb for these young guys, bro. 
You you almost turned the corner, man. You were close. And I see you shaking your head. Go ahead. So, okay, as I said before, you could make the the NBA season a 17-game season and match it in terms of the NFL. And right now, these guys would sit out and say, I'm saving my body for the playoffs. It's like I said, this league, <laughs> it's a broken league right now. And it's because there's no motivation for the players. They get paid these big contracts, and then they're allowed to get injured and sit. And I'm not saying that all of them are faking injuries or any of them are faking injuries, but it gets to the point where you're saving your body so much and – you're, you're doing your team a disservice by sitting out all these games when you know you can play and other guys have played football players. Like you say, the wear and tear in that they play through the new quarterback, the new quarterback series with uh, with Kirk Cousins. You know, they talk about how the all the injuries he was dealing with uh, throughout, you know, the regular season and whatnot, and all the, the stuff he had to deal with. And. It, it just show I mean, these guys are tough and they get paid and I understand that. But back to the running backs really quick. Sure. My point, my whole hope, my whole point with the running backs is, is right now running backs aren't a must need of it's a luxury position is the best way to put it. You don't pay a running back like you pay a quarterback. You can't pay a running back like you pay a receiver nowadays. Receivers are the new running back. It doesn't mean it's right. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Because you think about the numbers, those dudes have the ball in their hand the second most other than a quarterback. So Again, let let let's agree to disagree. But our guy in Green Bay is making double digit millions, bro. So they but paid no, that guy. But notice, um, notice he restructured his contract for the betterment of his team. Okay, but he's still making ten something million a year. I, I just saw the numbers the other day. He's like the third or fourth highest running back paid in in the league. Dude, think about it like this, okay? It's a fraternity, no matter how you want to put it. You're either a fraternity for the wide receivers, you're a fraternity for the quarterbacks, you're a fraternity for the running backs, you're a return, you're a fraternity for these NBA basketball players, man. They, they, look, they have a skill, but would you tell me that their skill is more important than a doctor's skill? Absolutely not, right? Or or, or more important than, than a teacher, like somebody that's changing a kid and helping them get through their every single day life. Okay, like let's really put this in perspective, man. These guys make an unbelievable amount of money. So it, it behooves them to go out there and be the best that they possibly can at their craft. That's all I'm asking for, Stephen Dorf, whether whether it's basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever. Hirsch, I don't care. I want to see Marjan go out there and become more consistent. That's what you need to do as an NBA basketball player if you want to see the floor and get more minutes, Hirsch. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break here in just a sec, but I do want to just mention real quick. Uh, also, I, and I just just to add on to what you guys were kind of arguing about, uh, the fact that NBA contracts are fully guaranteed, like almost always, I think is a massive problem. Uh, and I think kind of looking at the NFL's like way that they do it, uh, if you're put on, like, if you get hurt and you're not necessarily like a main guy of the team, they can cut you because it's like a lot of the time it's non guaranteed. So it like kind of makes players like play through injuries and fight and be on the field and give it their all. Whereas in basketball, a guy can be out like Lonzo Ball is still getting paid by the Chicago Bills and he hasn't played in almost two years, two and a half years. He can't, uh, he still don't know if he can walk. So you I, have an excellent. You have an excellent point. I don't mean to step in on you, but I just want to clarify exactly what you're saying, bro. It was an awesome, awesome point, what you just made. Okay. Look, 
these guys get paid a ton of money to go out and be the best they can, whatever it is. Go ahead, Hirsch. No, yeah, we're just going to have to take a quick break, and we'll, uh, we'll continue that conversation in just a second. Love it. And we're back on the Bucks and Six podcast with our special guest, Andy Dorr from Dorf on Sports. He's a syndicated uh, nationally uh, radio talk show host, heard on Sirius XM Radio and radio stations all across the country. Uh, you know, we were just having some pretty spirited talk on, you know, the contract situations between both the NFL and the NBA and kind of, you know, what's failing in the NBA and why players are not having the motivation to play in the regular season as well as, you know, how do we fix that? Um, I know you kind of wanted to put your uh, your two cents in on what I kind of said about, you know, the guaranteed contracts. Yeah, you had an excellent point. I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about the amounts of money that is being invested in these guys and in every sport now, like to your point, there is guaranteed money, okay? So when you were talking about the NFL, you were right until we get to today's NFL. Because today's NFL, they do have guaranteed money, right? Like, so let's take a really good example of this. Kyler Murray here in Phoenix, Arizona, in my backyard. Well, 230 mil was what he got in his contract, but 160 of it is guaranteed. Okay, so no matter what, he's going to walk away with one hundred and sixty million, whether he plays or he doesn't play. And that 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 never used to happen in the NFL. To your point, if you didn't play that week, you weren't getting paid. So and, and I don't know if that was necessarily right either. Okay, so. It's like any job. You, you you have a salary, right? Like you get paid to go to work and, and perform. These guys get paid. Like nowadays, they're, they're not taking a break, okay? Like they used to have an off-season. I don't know how much of an off-season they have anymore. So I think when they started guaranteeing money in the NFL, Hirsch, it was because they looked at it like, you know what? There really is no more off time. And, and these guys are working on their craft 12 months a year unless they're injured and, and they can't perform, right? And to your point about the NBA, well, the NBA caught on to this, right? And, and then all of a sudden the contracts got ridiculously high and guys were getting paid to play even when they're not playing like a Zion Williamson, like all these guys with their load management. I think the answer to your question or, or to, to the point that you're making might be this. There should be a certain amount of games that they have to play in the NBA. So if it's an 82-game regular season, unless you're injured or sick, like really injured or really sick, right? Maybe you have to play 65 of the 82 games. So, so the only way in my head, the only way to make this better is to put an amount of games that you have to play, or maybe you don't get paid for the, the, the extra amount. So you have to play 65 games. 
in order to fulfill your contractual agreement. But again, I don't know what the fine print says. I don't know what the, what it says. But ultimately, to me, set a game limit. And then each situation could be different based on whatever that particular injury may or may not be. Like Zion Williamson being out for four months with a, with a hamstring issue, that's a problem to me, man. Like that guy should not be getting paid. So th- there needs to be a way to figure this out. And I, I, I don't know if we have the answer, but, but I, I think a decent answer, Hirsch, would be setting a standard. You have to play X amount of games. And if you don't play X amount of games, potentially they can take money back from your salary. Decent? Yes? No? Maybe so? Yeah, no, I mean, I like the thought. I mean, personally, I definitely think that, you know, kind of like what Steve was saying earlier, like the league, the league is like is somehow like has been broken by, you know, player demands and player movement and, you know, just the power that players have nowadays. Um, And I think, you know, that's going to really come back to bite them next time the collective bargaining agreement is decided upon. I think the owners are going to, you know, put their put their fist down. Uh, in those negotiations and say, you know, I think we've had enough of this. These players have way too much power, and I think they're going to try to grab some of that power back. So maybe, I mean, maybe maybe soon we'll see the end of, you know, this player movement era, which I think has been ta- has kind of taken over, like, NBA, like the NBA world, especially with, like, you know, people online constantly making trade machines and people talking about potential guys who you could trade constantly. Players get constantly in the, in the rumors for big trades. And then you see guys, obviously, like we haven't talked about it with you yet, but Dame and James Harden both demanded trades on the same day. It's like those are two of the best, like, big-name guards in the league demanding trades. It's, it's just and – it's, and it's every year you, you see this with multiple examples of big-name guys. Like, no one ever thought Kevin Durant was going to get traded midseason, and there it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, to your point, okay, because it, it's kind of funny. You were you were somewhat reading my mind right there because you were getting to my next thought, which was Dane and what's going on with his situation and then obviously the other situation with James Harden in Philadelphia, which I'm sure you guys have seen the nonsense about Philly and Milwaukee potentially having a deal like with Drew Holiday and, and picks or something nuts like that. Hell freaking no. I want nothing to do with that situation at all, okay? So they better not have any, any inclination of doing that whatsoever. But let me let me get to the point here, okay? Dame Lillard and James Harden both want out of their current situations. Here is the problem with these two guys. First and foremost, they're too old. Okay, they're too old to be making demands like this. And they're and and they're they're Dame is still a great player, don't get me wrong. But to be paying Dame 60 million dollars in like a year or two when he's 35 years old, like again, man, they they've priced themselves out of the market, unfortunately. So here's what's gonna happen, okay? In my in in in, in the best world that I can ever imagine. Okay, James Harden is going back to Philadelphia, guys. Okay, because there's not going to be any suitors for him. Okay, and then on the other side, 
Dame Lillard is going to go back to Portland at least to start the year. We'll see how bad things get, but I can see them riding this thing out to the trade deadline, okay? And, and, and who's to say that Portland doesn't start out the year somehow, some way on a really positive note, and they say, wait, you know what? Maybe we should try to keep Dame, and maybe we should go out and get some other players now. So I, I would – I would really proceed with caution with both of these guys because I have a I have a sneaky suspicion that that to start the year, both of these guys will be where they're at. James Harden will be in Philadelphia and Dame Lillard will be in Portland unless something crazy happens in between that time. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of weird too. You know, we normally see when these guys like Kyrie Irving, uh, guys like Durant. Harden previously they'll you know they'll give out lists of teams that they want to go to whereas in both of these cases it seems like they're both kind of one-way streets with Dame trying to force his way to Miami and Harden trying to force his way to the Clippers um and I think it's kind of showing that maybe you know having that dead set mind on just one spot it's not really going to work for these players that kind of just only want to go to one team. You kind of have to give the the front office multiple options as to where they're going to be able to move you for the best deal for them as well. I think a great option for Dame, quite frankly, man, like if if somebody wants to pull a trigger and they, they're going to get impatient because they don't want to pay a guy in the future, if you don't have any idea where I'm going with this, I'm going to Boston, guys, okay? Because we know that Jalen Brown – is set up for that super max of where it could be over 300 million or something like that. And in his last year, the dude will be making 70 freaking million dollars. Okay. Like sooner or later, this is going to get completely out of whack. But, but, but that would be a situation to me where you're going to bring in a guy that potentially, well, you know, what he gives you it, it it's what Jalen Brown's going to give you if not more right so if there's a team that that is a little bit like impatient on this whole situation I could see that being Boston and them getting a little bit um creative with how they go about doing this and ultimately man I, I think that that would be a really good fit guys I, I don't know what you think Stephen but if Dame goes to Boston Look out, Eastern Conference. That's what I'm trying to say. And, it, and to your point, Hirsch, about Miami, I don't think they have enough to give Portland in return. And honestly, with Dame, I don't, I don't see them as the best team in the East, even with Dame. I still think Boston and Milwaukee are better than them. So I don't know if it makes them the front runner. And I, and I don't think it gives Portland enough in return, Stephen. So. I, I I think those situations are interesting, but I, I really think they're going to wind up holding Pat and they're going to be where they're at, at least to start the, the season out, guys. So looking ahead to the uh, the upcoming season, you know, free agency still, still raging. Uh, still some rumors out there around guys such as, you know, Kelly Oubre, Christian Wood, kind of. Those middling, same thing with like John Wall, some of those veteran guys who still haven't found a team. But uh, looking ahead to, I mean, the Bucks don't really have any more roster spots to, you know, use on possible free agents. So 
the team we have is kind of the team that that's set right now. What are your, what are your expectations kind of going into next year? And do you think the Bucks are still like bona fide contenders? Absolutely. Uh, hey, real quickly to your point about free agency, bro. I mean, I love it. What would the summer be like without dudes making billions of dollars and us having all this stuff to talk about? So at the end of the day, free agency in the NBA, Stephen and Hirsch is kind of like our soap opera. Like we, we sort of need this because without it, we, we'd be lost for time. And you mentioned Kelly Oubre. I just want to hit that. I, I wouldn't mind him in a Bucks uniform. But again, I, I'm really I really like Will Barton. And the latest thing that I heard on John Wall, since you mentioned him, was he's got the okay from Kevin Durant and Devin Booker uh, to be to join the Phoenix Suns. In all honesty, man, I I like that. Like, I don't know what John Wall's got left, but they obviously just got rid of campaign, and we know they got rid of CP3, so they they need themselves a point guard, right? And John Wall was a hell of a guard and a hell of a point guard before he got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see if and how that dynamic can work with the Phoenix Suns if it does happen. Now, to your final point about our Milwaukee Bucks. All right, we had that disappointment. And, you know, the year before the Bucks won, we had disappointment in the bubble. Um, look, it's a 50-50 shot, whether we're going to have success or whether we're not. You're, you're either going to win it or you're not going to win it. Ultimately, man, I expect our Milwaukee Bucks to be right back in the mix. Um, if they're not the front runner in, in the Eastern Conference, they're right there with Boston. And again, I really, really think the key, be healthy at the right time. It doesn't matter if you can win 60 basketball games. Again, I, I, I know we talked about all the, 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 the load management, this and that and the other, but play enough games so that you're ready to perform in the postseason. Don't burn yourself out during the regular season. Don't try to win 60 games or, or whatever it is. I, I think we have seen seeding doesn't mean as much as it used to mean. So with that being said, I think the biggest key for the Milwaukee Bucks being an older team, and we never mentioned Jay Crowder coming back, which if they didn't bring him back, they would have looked like complete morons with all the draft picks they gave them. So it makes sense to me to bring them back. Um, but but ultimately, I expect the Milwaukee Bucks to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and have a shot to win another NBA championship. And that that's not just this next coming year, guys. That That's for the next two or three years as we have this collective group together. And you need to fill little voids here and there. I'm really curious to see how Malik Beasley pans out because I, I I really like that piece a lot. And, and I think looking at today's NBA, that wing position is so important. And that's the one spot that the Bucks have kind of neglected year in and year out. So to me, this is a big, big season to find out if the Bucks can get back to where we all know they can be, which is, competing and challenging for championships and titles as long as we have Giannis on our team. And hopefully Giannis is going nowhere. And hopefully Giannis 
loves Milwaukee and doesn't want to leave at any moment in time, fellas. So, yes, our Bucks should be right back in the mix for another chance to compete for an NBA championship. That's my thought. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN and on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman, he's Steven Dorf, and let's go, Bucks! Let's go!